Our reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for, available for them. And, th and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. live sound effects of a baby on Christmas Eve. I love it. Let us pray. Oh God, we thank you that you are faithful in the midst of so much change, so much turmoil, so much that is wrong in the world today. Your light continues to shine on us. We continue to be your people. You continue to be our God. And so, Lord, on this Christmas Eve, continue to dwell among us richly. And as we reflect on that age-old story, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, on Monday this week, I stepped outside our house shortly after the sun set. I had my running shoes on, and I was running west for about two miles, and I looked up to the southwestern sky, and there it was, these two planets coming together, Jupiter and Saturn, the two largest planets in our solar system. They almost looked like one planet. They were so close together. And so for about the next 20 minutes or so, I just gazed at those stars and I thought to myself, I wonder if this is what it was like for the wise men being led toward Bethlehem on that first Christmas Eve. And I don't know if you had a chance or not to see the convergence of those two stars this week, but I was kind of overwhelmed I was kind of taken back. What an amazing miracle this was of these stars 
being brought together. And many of us, of course, have been following this story that this convergence of Jupiter and Saturn has not happened where these two stars align so closely for 800 years. And we get to witness the convergence of these stars, these planets in the sky. And I'm pretty sure none of us are going to be around when they come back and they, they get that close together again. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it might just be another 800 years where they get that close. And I think one of the extraordinary things about this convergence of Jupiter and Saturn is that while they look to our eyes, the appearance is they are almost on top of each other. They are so close together. Yet the reality is Jupiter and Saturn are actually 456 miles apart. They're nowhere close to one another in reality. Now, to give you a little context, the Earth and Mars are about 76 million miles apart. I don't think any of us would say, yeah, Mars is just around the corner. Yeah, Mars is really, really close. That's our closest planet. 456 miles separates Jupiter and Saturn. And for just a brief moment uh, in th that we are on this Earth, they look like they are right next to each other. As I was thinking about Christmas Eve this year, and over the past several weeks, we've been looking at this idea of peace on earth. What does it mean to experience God's peace on earth? I got to thinking that's a whole lot like Jupiter and Saturn. That every now and then as the stars literally almost come into alignment for us, it seems like peace is so close, so close. But in reality, peace is more like 456 million miles apart. And I can't help but wonder, do we think peace is even possible? Do we think peace is uh, something that can even be attained? Or is it just like Jupiter and Saturn? Peace will always be 456 million miles apart. Is it just a pipe dream? Can peace ever happen on this earth? And just a few moments ago, Nicholas read to us again the Christmas story. And there were the shepherds. And they were out doing what shepherds do. They were taking care of the sheep. And the angels show up. They look at the shepherds, and after they said, Fear not, a child has been born in Bethlehem. 2,000 years ago, the angels stood there, and they proclaimed these words, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Where's the peace? Where's the peace that God promised 2,000 years ago? You know, in 5,000 years of recorded history, there are over 15,000 different wars that we know about, just the recorded ones. And I looked it up today that at this moment, there are 32 wars going on in the world today on Christmas Eve. 
32 wars are happening. Where's the peace? I mean, the truth is, we human beings are so much better at war. We are so much better at conflict. We are so much better at being at one, at one another's throats. And we think about this word peace, and we're like, I'm not really sure that peace is possible. It certainly isn't possible out in the world. And all of us know that there's plenty of peace not in our own lives close to home. We have our own stuff, our own baggage, our own conflict going on in our own lives. Where is the peace? You know, when Jesus grew up, he ministered for several years, about three years of public ministry. And oftentimes, when he would encounter someone, he would walk into a room, he would walk into a crowd, he would look at them, and he would say, peace be with you. He announced the peace was with the people. And sometimes after a big event would happen and Jesus would explain something or would perform a miracle, he would look at the crowd, he would look at those who were gathered around him, and he would say, now go in peace. What did Jesus mean? And after the resurrection, when Jesus showed up and appeared to the disciples for the very first time, he could have said anything at all that he wanted to. Ta-da! I'm back! Look at me, guys! Jesus walked in the room and said, Peace be with you. What in the world is Jesus talking about with this peace? And later on, the Apostle Paul the guy who wrote much of the New Testament, he would begin many of his writings in the New Testament. Grace and peace be with you. Paul picks up on this idea. And Paul could have written and began all of his letters, grace and power with you, because we all need a little more power, right? Or want a little more power. Paul could have written grace and riches to you. That would have been a good blessing, right? Because we're all like, hey, I could use a little more riches in my life. Paul could have written grace and a little more TikTok fame in your life, right? Because we all want to be known just a little bit more. He could have said grace and all sorts of blessings and relationships to you. But Paul didn't write any of that. He wrote grace and peace. Jesus talked about peace over and over. The angels proclaimed this peace. And we have to ask ourselves, what is this peace that Jesus was talking about and continues to come up time and time again in Scripture? Because we just don't see it. We just don't experience it. Our lives are filled with fear. Our lives are filled with struggle. Our lives are filled with hurt and pain. Our lives are filled with brokenness. Most of us, our lives are not just an abundance of God's peace. So where is the peace that those angels proclaimed all those years ago? I think one of the reasons why we struggle with this idea of peace is because we don't really have a good idea of what peace is. Peace, the original Hebrew word, over and over throughout the, the Old Testament is shalom. 
And shalom, as it's described and understood in the Old Testament, it's not, it has nothing to do with an absence of conflict. Oftentimes we think that shalom or peace is when there's no conflict in our lives. But that's not the Old Testament understanding of shalom or peace. Peace is not uh, that there's not going to be any trouble in your life. Peace is not you're not going to get an argument uh, with your family on the way over here. Peace is not that hardship and struggle will not be a regular part of your life. In fact, Jesus tells us, in this life, you will have much trouble. Peace is not the absence of trouble. It's not the absence of pain and hurt and heartache. Peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace, shalom, is the presence of God. That's what shalom is. It means this, this wholeness, this fullness, this restoration of the soul. Paul knew this. Jesus knew this, that there is a giant hole in each one of our lives. And we all know that we can have plenty of money and still not have peace. We can have good relationships and still not have peace. We can have good health and still not have peace. We can have status. We can be famous on TikTok and still not have peace. Because we can have all the things that this world offers and still not have peace. But what shalom is is the very presence of God come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. This is why we call him Emmanuel, God with us. This is why we call him the Prince of Peace. Is because he has come to bring us something that none of us can achieve on our own or experience on our own. Peace is not a concept. Peace is not an idea. Peace is not an aspiration. Peace is a person. And his name is Jesus. And on Christmas Eve, we celebrate that God did not stay far away, but that God came close to earth, to you and to me, in the person of Jesus. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, the great Russian writer and thinker who wrote the Gulag Archipelago, he reflected and spent much of his adult life really wondering about this idea of how in the world could Russia have murdered millions of their own people? How could this happen? And so once in a speech he gave, he spoke these words. He says, I remember as a child, I remember the elders would say, how did this befall Russia? They would say, men have forgotten God. That's why this has happened. Since then, I've spent 50 years reflecting on the history of our revolution. I've read hundreds of books. I've collected hundreds of personal testimonies, contributed to eight volumes of my own toward clearing the way the rubble left by this upheaval. 
But if I were asked to formulate as concise as possible the main cause of the ruinous revolution that swallowed up some 60 million of our people, I could not put it more accurately. Men have forgotten God. That's why this has happened. And so in 2020, as peace has seemed so elusive in the world, peace has seemed so elusive in our communities and maybe in our lives, I can't help but wonder if it's the same conclusion that men have forgotten God. We've gotten so distracted by all that's gone on in the world. And over and over, as we read throughout the Old Testament, this was the Israelites' problem, is they forgot God. And when they forgot God, they lost their peace. And they would cry out to God and say, God, we need you. And God would come and rescue them again. And as I think about my own life and I think about those who um, around me in the struggle for peace in 2020, I hear time and time again about how we become distracted and focused on so many other things than on God, on Jesus come to this earth. And some of us, I think, have become distracted by the news on CNN. Some of us have been distracted by the news on Fox News. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I'm just getting started here. If I, if I haven't offended you yet, uh, just hang on. Some of you have gotten distracted by following Twitter in 2020. Some of you have gotten distracted by following YouTube in 2020. Some of you have gotten distracted because your social media has blown up on Facebook and you just obsess over all the noise and the distractions and the problem that come through your feed on Facebook. There's so much to be distracted, right? It's been a year of distraction, of all the noise, the politics, the division, the struggle, the heartache. It's been a tough year. I think we've gotten distracted. I think in many ways we have forgotten that Christ has come to dwell among us. See, the interesting and I think the ironic thing about peace is that you got to fight for peace. There's a battle going on in your mind. There's a battle going on in my mind. And we have to choose each and every day, are we going to focus on Jesus Christ in our lives today? Or are we going to allow ourselves to be distracted by all the noise and all the problems that are going on in this world. And so I want to ask you, how have you been distracted? How have you not been focusing on Jesus this year? How have you gotten sucked in to the vortex of the political cycle, of the news cycle, of frankly your own difficult circumstances? Because I know many of you have had some hard times this year personally. And it's so easy to forget Jesus is still with us, Emmanuel. He's still with us. And this battle rages in all of our minds. 
And so the Apostle Paul comes to us and he helps us to understand what does it mean to be focused on Christ? What does it mean to not get distracted? In Philippians 4, 8, this is what Paul writes. Fix your minds on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul says ignore Get rid of the distraction. Get rid of all those things that are pulling you away from Christ. Think about what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, and what is right, what is excellent and worthy of praise. And then what happens? Then the God of peace will be with you. This is how it works. When we focus on God... When we focus on the person of Jesus Christ, that's when we experience peace. It's not any of the other stuff. It truly is focusing on Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there's a great story in the New Testament. Jesus is out on the waters uh, with his disciples, and a storm comes up. And, and there's a storm gets rocking and rolling. You got to remind yourself that Jesus uh, was with his group of disciples. And many of these disciples, they were professional fishermen. This is what they did. They lived their lives out on the water. And the winds are blowing and the waves are crashing and there's thunder and there's lightning and there's so much going on. And frankly, the disciples are losing their minds. They are absolutely freaking out. And where's Jesus? He's in the boat, taking a nap. And the disciples are losing their minds. Jesus, what is going on? Are you not paying attention to the storm that is going on out here? Jesus, are you not paying attention to the storm that I'm experiencing right now? Because in that moment, there were two storms going on. The storm out there on the water and the waves and the thunder and the lightning and the crashing and everything else. And then there was the internal storm. The storm going on in all the lives of the disciples. And I don't know about you, but most of the time, the storm out there, I can't do anything about it. But inside the storm, I have a great deal of trouble managing it. Because the winds and the waves are crashing inside. And I can stand before you. And you can look at me and say, oh, he seems like everything's all right, right? Most of us are pretty good at, at putting up a show for everyone around us, and we can look strong, we can look cool, we can look calm, we can look collected, right? But inside there is a storm raging, and I don't always know what to do with that storm. That storm is filled with fear. That storm is filled with anxiety. That storm is filled with stress. That storm is filled with, I don't know what to do. And I'm like the disciples. Jesus, do you not see what's going on out there? Because I'm freaking out. Are you taking a nap, Jesus? Because I just don't see where you are present. All I see are the wind and the waves and the crashing and the thunder and the lightning. And there is a massive storm going on in here. And in that moment, as the disciples are freaking out. Jesus wakes up. Oh, 
I don't know if he's stretched or not. It's like, what's going on, guys? And he just says, peace. Peace, be still. And the waves get calm and the winds settle down. And the disciples experience that same inner calm. I think that's what Christmas is all about. I think that's what Christmas is about this year. That even when the storms are raging out there, Jesus comes to us. He says, peace, be still. I think the only way we can truly receive this peace in our soul is to welcome Christ into our lives. Because most of us have learned this year in 2020, we can try it all and there's still not peace. Status, money, fame, busyness of our lives, relationships. But the truth is we can only experience God's peace when we receive and welcome Christ into our hearts and into our lives. And I think on this Christmas Eve, there's no better time to hear the invitation again for each one of us that God loves you so much that he did not stay in the heavens and just watch the storms of the earth crashing all about. But he came into the world to Bethlehem and he brought peace. Emmanuel, God with us. And in that person of Jesus, he walked on this earth and he taught us many, many things that we read about as recorded in the New Testament. But Jesus wasn't done. He said, I've got more work to do. I've got to make peace between heaven and earth. And that it can only happen through my death on a cross. And so Jesus bridged the gap that you and I cannot bridge. He brought heaven to earth and then built a bridge through his death on the cross. And then after three days, he overcame the grave and said, death is finished. When you receive this gift of Jesus Christ, you can know peace. You can have peace with God. You can have peace with yourself. And you can have peace with others. And life is not going to be easy. It's never going to be easy. But you can experience that peace, that inner peace that the world does not understand in the person of Jesus Christ. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Prince of Peace come to earth. Let us receive him again. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who indeed loves us and comes to us in the person of Jesus. And God, those storms rage all around us, those storms even rage in us. God, your plan, your design is that your people might experience peace. Peace with you, peace with ourselves, and peace with one another. And so God, help us on this Christmas Eve to receive this gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, into our lives. To receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins that you have wiped out all of our wrongs from the past. That you have made us new creatures. That you have made us restored to be in relationship with you. We pray, God, that as the storms rage around us, that your Holy Spirit might not only give us that inner peace, but that we might be witnesses to those, other, those others around us who need your peace. God, you are indeed the hope of the world. You are the only option, the only solution for what's wrong in this world. So we welcome you again on this Christmas Eve in 2020 as the stars have aligned and you've spoken to us again. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.